What's up y'all and welcome to Lovecraft Aftermath. This is a carefree black nerd review over this new, amazing, phenomenal, melanated, horrific <laughs> show entitled Lovecraft Country. This is the show that is based off the 2016 novel by one Mr. Matt Ruff, Misha Green, J.J. Uh, Abrams, Jordan Peele, a lot of phenomenal people attached to this project. This episode is episode one. We'll be covering it entitled Sundown. I am your host, Rain Coleman. You can hit me up on those Twitters, Carefree Blurred. And when you're listening to this episode of Lovecraft Aftermath, please use that hashtag. Lovecraft Aftermath, <laughs> when you're live tweeting and when you're listening to this episode, let's make this a conversation as per usual. And for those of you who that might be too long of a hashtag, use that hashtag LCCPod if you want to get a little bit more longer tweets off. Now, I, br- I don't even know where to begin. This show, episode one, is already everything that I wanted, did not know I wanted and more. So for those of you longtime listeners or have been listening for the last maybe follow me on social media for at least the last month or so, you see that I've been reading Lovecraft Country. Um, the book, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It wasn't without its flaws. I have a few issues here and there, but all in all, I enjoyed the book. Um, I think Matt Ruff did a great job with telling this story. And I think he, he told a story that was done well enough that now that it's in the hands of folks like Misha Green and Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams that is going to flush out that world even more. So kudos to everybody involved. Actors, actresses, behind the scenes, key grip, sound, wardrobe, all that good stuff. This was a phenomenal friggin' show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So some things were changed, so I enjoyed that. Um, I know I was battling with, should I go ahead and watch the series first, then read the book, or should I get the book and read it and then just have everything spoiled for me? Well, because this project is in the hands of people who I admire and whose resume speaks for itself, I actually went ahead and read the book. I said, if anything's spoiled, oh well, it's still exciting to see how this book will be translated on screen and i specifically got the book earlier because i wanted to make sure that i understood everything that was initially done in the story so that i could notice and appreciate more the little things and the large things that have been changed um things have been changed one atticus's little cousin is no longer a boy and i thought that was one of the smartest decisions that could have been made at all. It's something that I didn't even consider when reading the book, but because I know some of the events that happened, if they're going to go that route with this girl, I'm all for it. Like, oh my God, you talking about mm, chef's kiss. So uh, that aside, let me know what you guys thought of the episode. You guys who have watched it live, you guys who are uh, watched it again, I've watched it at least three or four times since at the time of this recording how did we feel about lovecraft country specifically you guys who've also read the book but everyone's invited to answer so please leave your comment in the comments or tweet me carefree blurred use that hashtag lovecraft aftermath so what i want to know for this first question is what were your initial reactions thoughts and all that to the show like when you got done watching it for that first time or even those first few scenes Give me some feedback. For me, I know I was very, very excited. 
So I was already on a high from having read the book and from seeing the trailers and from doing the research and anticipating this show. When I that opening scene came where Atticus is at this in this war and it's black and white, it's very much given uh 1950s radio program, uh, and he is fighting for his life, and then that scene sort of morphs into this technicolor dream sequence. We're still in a war, but it's very much Cthulhu, Jackie Robinson. Um, Asian Sasha Fierce coming down from a spaceship. It was such a, um, I don't know, a surreal experience. So I initially, I was all for it. Um, I really enjoyed this opening. I think Misha Green did a phenomenal job with the pilot and with translating things from the page on screen. That was something I was a bit concerned with. Not that I didn't think that they would do a good job, but I was like, how are they going to do this? It's a book, and it is not a comic book. It's a prose book where there are just words on a page. Man, when I saw this, uh, the the Asian character, the lady, descend from this spaceship onto the ground, red skin and all, very much, um, I don't know, medieval garb or swimsuit. <laughs> it was it was a lot. It was a lot going on, a lot to take in. She is another change in the story. So. The lady, not sure her name, um, I'd have to look it up. My apologies for not having that ahead of time. But she, I saw her in some of the promotional material. I saw her in some of the uh, trailers or like some of the special clips. She's not in the book. Now, if she is, it has to be like mentioned one time, one off or something. Because this woman, I've never seen her. I, I, she could walk in front of me today and I ne I wouldn't know who she was. I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this woman. Uh, then we get Jackie Robinson coming in with the baseball bat, beating the shit out of Cthulhu, then that motherfucker reforming. It was just, it was an amazing experience. So, one thing I do like, uh, the, the change that they made from the book, and I think this is really smart. I don't know how they're going to, what all, mm, okay, let me take this to bed. I don't know how far in the book we're going to get in the show for this season. Um, but I do know that those first couple of pages is Atticus going from Florida, driving into Chicago. The show did a really smart thing of making him traveling by bus from Florida into Chicago. It sped along a lot of things. We lost some characters. We lost a, a scene or two. And... Uh, I'm hoping that some kind of way we get that back. Um, if we don't, that's fine. But there is a family that Atticus met that I would really like to see on screen. I don't know if the family was consolidated to this older black lady who he was on the bus with. So the bus breaks down. Him and the black woman are on the colored side of the bus, which is the very back. Um, we find out that that opening sequence was a dream. And it was a dream that establishes that Atticus was a soldier his imagination, um, a possible love interest, and some of the things that are important to him, like um, 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 his love of books, uh, Jackie Robinson, the, the, the girl or woman who he's probably having a, a relationship with, and then we wake up to this that being a dream sequence, him in the bus, and when this bus breaks down, this show did a really good job. I, okay, so y'all know that I'm not one for slave narratives, 
I mean, I think they're important. I think that they need to, those stories need to be out there. But I'm at a point now where that's not my go-to. That's not what I'm searching for. Um, this isn't that. But the bus broke down. And you'll see the connection here in a second. So the bus broke down. And Atticus uh, gets off the bus with his, like, you know, little bag full of stuff, reading his books. And everyone is getting off the bus. They're getting their luggage. And him and the little black woman, she walks to the back of the bus and she gets her luggage. And he helps her out. And all of the white patrons are then piled onto this, like, I don't know, just a truck where I guess you would transport hay. I don't know. But they get on. And it's never said outright or explicitly, but there is this understanding that these coloreds, these black people, are not allowed on this truck or at least not in close proximity to these white people. They never say it. But through the images, of course, and whatnot, we cut to Atticus and this older black woman walking down this dirt road to the next town so that they could get home. It was just ah, not even 10 minutes in. And it's like, God damn, what are y'all doing here? Emotional. Emotion was running high. Uh, the black woman, I enjoyed her. She reminded me a lot of my own grandmother. A, like a hell of a lot. From complexion to features to hair uh, the way she dressed all like she very much my grandmother reborn in this woman here. It, I enjoyed Atticus in the book, watching him played out on screen. Um, I am a sucker for this show already. I know I just sound like a stand because damn it, that's what I am at this point. But I'm now I'm not to the point where this show can do no wrong. If there's some some shit that pop up that ain't sitting right, I'm going to you know bring it up, or talk about it. I won't shy away from it. But damn it. Um, so we cut to Chicago. Atticus is on his way to Chicago, and God, something about that 1950s, 1960s, 70s blackness. In this period garb, for lack of a better term, that really does it for me. We cut to uh, Hippolyta and Uncle George, and they're in bed. Two beautiful black actors, actress of a certain age. They're not in their 20s. You know how every fucking show, for some reason, high school be uh, is set in college, be it set in the future, whatever, it's always some young, conventionally attractive set of people who are playing this role. Now, that's not to say that these motherfuckers ain't beautiful, because I love to see it. But this intimate, this this scene that we get of them literally in bed, pillow talking, talking about business, getting close to getting it on, getting close enough for cable, even though it's HBO, where it's not too explicit it's just it's something that's not always seen um in the media that i consume i see it because i actively search for images and media that reflects me but this is oh my god this is beautiful i'm just i i love it i love it these are not 20 year olds and i've said that once and i'll probably say it again they're not these young peak physical condition bodies tight they're not this like glossy sheen cw hollywood type of look they look like real people they look like my aunt and uncle and i'm sure most of you listening they you got an uncle or aunt that looks something like one of them and i i love it 
<laughs> so they get their whole intimacy thing on there talking. And then we cut to a young girl who is... Well, we, first of all, we cut to what I'm assuming is a living room wall. And it pans and we see all these different photos. All these people who, of course, I know who they are. And you all who have seen the trailers know who they are. Or seen any deleted scenes or extra footage or the Comic-Con... Uh, um, clips that were leaked or, or released rather and it's a little girl I'm gonna say 11 somewhere between 9 and 11 and she's sitting down she's drawing a picture making her own little comic book and she hears her parents enjoying themselves and she's grossed out gets up walks to the kitchen and is scared to high hell by her cousin Atticus climbing in through the window I <sighs> I really, really enjoyed this episode. Um, I watched it with a good friend of mine, and it took everything in me, not necessarily to spoil or to... Um, I wasn't trying to spoil anything, but I, I was very much like, hey, pay attention to that. This is important. This is important. Look at this. Okay, look at that. This is important. <laughs> to the point where he was like, okay, you're going to have to either shut the hell up or you're going to have to get this shit out your system. <laughs> um, but no, we get the story of Atticus getting a letter from his father, telling him to come home. He has a birthright that's owed to him. We get scenes with um, with his uncle, him and Uncle George. And another thing I liked about this episode is that a lot of things that did happen in the book that I thought were brushed over were actually kind of reconfigured for the story. So there's a conversation about Atticus and his father and their relationship, their distance and why they're distant and how, you know, why my father never called me or not called me, never wrote me. Um, this whole couple paragraphs or pages of content that was then shifted to a later part in the episode, which kind of messed me up because I thought they were going to ignore it altogether. A lot of it was word for word. I And I say all this to say that even though I've gone through and read the entire book cover to cover... I still am getting an immense joy from watching this series. So, um, Uncle George owns a travel company and he writes the Safe Negro Travel Guide, which is the fictional green book that was the book that let African American, blacks, Negroes know what places were safe, what places accepted colored people. And what places to stay away from if you're going to be traveling across these United States. Which is like, yeah, we probably still need that green book. They discuss Atticus's father, Montrose, who is gone. Atticus wants to go after him. And there's this series of figuring out where he is, which one we think is Arkham, which is the publishing company that... Uh, released the Lovecraft the Lovecraft uh, novels, and through some deducing detective work, we find out that it's actually Ardom, Ardom, Massachusetts, which is in Denver County, which is a place where witch hunters founded their little city way back in the Salem witch trial days, which. Which which which. <laughs> um, one thing I do like about this. 
is one that they're staying true to the story. I like that this is something new. It's not the Marvel DC of it all. This is uh, something that could be its own extended universe. Or it could be just this one solitary season or a few seasons. And you could get a lot of rich content. Um, and it's very different in that regard. Like it's not a comic book thing that I've just read and been so familiar with. This is a book that I just finished not too long ago. And I am enjoying like hell. Um, I like that we get these different body types. If we're looking at one Uncle George and Aunt Hippolyta. We're looking at Letitia's sister Ruby. We're looking at just oh, Melanie. Everybody, the extras in here are beautiful. The main cast is. Everybody is just lovely to look at. And not in a creepy way. Just I just love seeing all of these people. Look at all these black motherfuckers. So <laughs> tell me what um so now that we've got past your initial thoughts, once you got deep into the episode, let me know in the comments or tweet me carefree blurred. Was this the show that you were thinking it was going to be? Like we are we got we're following Atticus, we're getting his story, and up until this point, is it just is it boring? Is it just another show about black folks? Like, for you, what is it? What is the show at this point? Before we get into the high-energy drama action of it all, what is this show for you? Like, is this is this something that's resonating? We all know how I feel. <laughs> that's probably not going to change. But is this something that is working for you? Leave that in the comments, please. Or go ahead and tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use that hashtag, Lovecraft Aftermath. Now, Atticus is hunting for his father. And now that he's back home in Chicago, he goes to a bar because his father is an alcoholic. And he kind of gets uh, chastised a bit by this guy who doesn't realize who he is. Because apparently, Atticus went off to fight in a war. And he's, I think he's 24 now. I think he's supposed to be 24. And so, he goes to the back of the bar, outside the back door... To see some guy, this light-skinned black man, who is getting oral sex from another black man. Now, I think this is important because they're not shying away from reality <laughs> with this like fictional show. Um, I think one thing that's established in this moment is that one, gay people existed back then. Um, the, not laws, but the climate around homosexuality i don't know if we're going to dive too deep into that with this show but the the show could have easily made that be a woman and had the same exact thing happen but i'm not sure how to unpack all of that if you do if you have thoughts let me know but this light-skinned older man, gentleman getting this oral sex from this uh, other black guy who runs off because someone else popped up. I'm not sure what to do with that yet, but let me know what your thoughts are. But the guy lets me like, man, your daddy, I ain't seen this man in a minute. I seen him with some white man getting into some nice-ass car, but that was it. You know, and everybody's like, yeah, your dad's a drunk. Like, he's been going for a while, but because he's an alcoholic and this is not unusual behavior, it did not really... Uncle George says it didn't spark any concern until the landlord was like hey he ain't paid you know what i'm saying so that, that some of us 
have family members who go on some of these binges. Some we watch it on TV and you can guess how that must feel. But yeah, some people are just like that. They do their drugs or even they just get secretive or they're just separated from family and friends. And that's normal behavior. And that was the scary part. Cause I'm like, man, this is before cell phones and all this technology that we have now that helps. What now? You know, now you have to search and hunt for this man. So we go from there to Ruby, beautiful Ruby, tall, thick, full figured Ruby on stage, cutting the fuck up, singing and all that good shit. And then we see thin, fair skin, slight Leticia, Leticia, <laughs> Letty, God damn it. And she is snapping pictures of her sister. She's smiling. She's enjoying herself. And her, she gets up on stage. Now, another thing I like that's very subtle, Ruby and Letty are sisters. You get a lot from these, this initial meeting where it's established that Ruby is up there performing on stage and that her sister has been away for a while. Her sister's taking pictures and then she they get her on stage to sing a song. But you, you can feel the tension. And I think these two actresses did a phenomenal freaking job at, at translating that. They have chemistry. They have this dancing and singing that they're doing that is very, very, doesn't feel rehearsed. It feels like this is them. And then when they get this kind of... Um, kind of battle for the mic where they're going back and forth it's a song that they used to sing together so it's a song that they both know but it's it feels it feels like they could probably get there get the fighting right then and there now if you agree let me know and if you disagree let me know that too but it felt very much like okay chick this is my time like you cut me in and you know so yeah that's how I feel <laughs> so let me know um, Atticus opens a, a fire hydrant, let the kids play, have them a good old time. It's like a big block party in the middle of the street. Now, the important thing to note from here is that Lenny is back in town. Like, when we see her, she's now newly back in Chicago. And talking to her sister about having a place to stay, her sister's like, look, sis, you get two fucking nights. And you got to get a job and get the hell up out of here. She's like, well, you know, what job am I going to get? In two days, she's um, Rose is like, well, pretty much being a maid. And ladies, like, I don't, I don't want to be a maid. That's not something that I want. That's something that's gonna work for me. And our sister, look, either that, or you can go to our brother's house. Cause what you're not gonna do is sit up here in my house trying to be in these white people's neighborhoods and in their shops. Cause they she wants to work in like some department store downtown. Rose ain't having that. Rose, Ruby, Ruby ain't having that. She's like, look, sis, nah, we ain't gonna play these games. So apparently, Letty missed her mama's funeral, which that's a big deal, of course. And I, I like this show a lot, if y'all couldn't tell. And I'm looking forward to episode two. I don't want to recap every single thing that happened in the episode um, a lot went on. Uh, I do know that this show, there's enough content there to go for a few seasons. Uh, but also keeping Game of Thrones in mind, 
though there is the one book I don't know if Matt Ruff is writing a sequel at, in the process of it or whatever but with the Game of Thrones approach where the books were not completely done but the story still had to go on I think you could easily continue this show past where the book ends and still make it be its own thing its own very entertaining thing um yeah I think so I think you could uh, now Atticus is at his father's house. He has a car, and I think he talks with a woman who's like, "Hey, you should have never left." And I'm thinking it is that Asian lady who came down from the sky with her red skin. I'm thinking it's the actual version of her. Now this kind of warning or pleading that she gives them, which is like, "You never should have left." I don't know yet, quite yet, what that means. Which is really good because that's something, like I said, that's very different from the book. So um, there are some things there where I'll be just as surprised as the next person. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so we move on to getting on the road. Atticus and his, excuse me, uncle decide to go find his father. And Letty joins them. And Journey Smollett is fucking killing it in this role. I already loved 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 lady's character in the book and i think that journey Smollett is really doing a damn good job embodying that character and bringing her to life off these damn pages she just is so they go through this little checklist of all the things that they need and all the stuff that they'll you know kind of run into and whatnot and the daughter gives this little homemade comic book and Orinthia Blue is the name of the book, which is very important. That'll come up later. I don't know which episode, but it will. And it's a bit of an Easter egg. So they get on the road, and this is when stuff turns to shit. So we're driving through town and stop at this kind of shake shack type of thing. A little, little malt shop. And this is another way in which the show doesn't say things but they show they show they don't tell they step off to get this ice cream and it looks on at the first frame it looks like just a bunch of people in line talking having a good time smiling and whatever and when you zoom in a bit closer you see that on the left side of this shake shack shop whatever there's a, a gaggle of white folks kids little kids police officers whatever and you can see that they are living it up eating their ice cream laughing and talking with the employees slightly to the right of frame there is a man a black man and his two children a boy and a girl and then further behind them is our three main characters george atticus and letty sitting at a, a um, picnic table and the black people are not being served so even though like if you're not paying attention it looks like everyone in this scene it's having a good time. Once you open your eyes, you see these two different Americas that we live in. Uh, this becomes a montage of just racism and discrimination and unnecessary bullshit. They stop at a gas station and I think uh, Atticus is eating a banana. And then this white guy and these two white girls is like doing this like monkey impression towards him and Letty. Letty has to stop him from coming to rip this man's head off. And that, though at first watch, it seemed like, you know, justified that he's upset and she's stopping him. But it's something that kind of foreshadows his behavior in the future. I I, enjoy, I like that. 
Uh, they stop off again where they take a shower, but not really. So this part of the scene opens up with Letty in different clothes. So we assume that she's probably bathed. Same with George. But we're in the middle of the woods. They're on the car. And Atticus is shirtless back towards the camera. Shirt hung up on a tree in front of him. And it's like he's washing himself. So again, this show is telling me that we are in the 1950s America where there's probably not a safe place for them to stop and shower that you have to pull over in the middle of the woods, albeit daytime and bright, to wash yourself. And it, and it wasn't made a focal point. It's just like something that happened during the conversation in this scene. Something so subtle that you're like, ah, oh, man, Misha Green, you did that. So the whole time where they're driving, George is calling Letty girl. Like, he's referring to her as girl. And I don't want to say it's not disrespectful. I want to say it's more or less dismissive. Like, her presence isn't really that important. Um, and then they pass by this fire station. Which is important, of course, that comes back later. But for me, having read the book, that to me is the scene of Atticus going to the garage in that first couple pages. For those of you who have read it, let me know if you think that I'm reaching or what. Because I though it, he drove by really quickly and though those characters come back later on, to me with that dog and with everybody sitting where they were and the imagery, it felt like the garage scene that we did not get because Atticus was on a bus to Chicago versus driving home to Chicago. So we are going to go see Atticus's father, but George insists that we have a uh, detour. He insists we have a detour because there is a place called, oh my God, is it Miss Millie's? I'm not sure. I forget. Forgive me. But it's a place that is safe for black people, or at least it was before. So he stops in. Uh, quick pause in the story here. It was mentioned earlier that Uncle George has terrible knees. <laughs> um, and that's because of an encounter with some racist white folks. Uh, and he made the comment like, man, I, you know, I'm, it's fucked up, blah, blah, whatever. But I'm, I can only, I don't know what I would do with myself if my wife, Hippolyta, had of run into those white folks. Because he was on a mission to find more places for his green book. His safe Negro travel guide. Okay, so they're sitting in the diner. Waiting to be served. They walk in. There's a skinny white boy who's working behind the counter. And a hefty uh, looking older white man. Who they both look at all three of them like they crazy. He puts on his hat. He walks out the door. Now, Letty and Atticus like, man, I don't think we need to be here. You know, this don't, don't even look like the same place. You said this place was uh, either was owned by a black woman or it was safe for black people. It was red, bright red. We pop up with a white brick, white everywhere. And now we come in and these folks looking at us like we crazy. So George insists that we, our money spend just as good. We could sit here. We could stay here. Fuck all that. Fuck all that shit you talking about. Atticus, we finna be in this bitch. Letty, Letitia gets up. She said, look, I got to go to the little girl's room. She walks to the back. She's about to go do her thing. Overhears the young white boy like, hey, on the phone with somebody. I don't know. They just came in here. I did not serve them. There's three Negroes, blah, 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 whatever. 
cut back to George and Atticus sitting down looking over the menu. Atticus is staring at very inquisitively, <laughs> inquisitively at the walls of this diner, at the floor, at this white brick. And he asks his uncle, Uncle George, why is the White House white? And Uncle George gives him that story that says, well, after that motherfucker was burnt down, it was easier to what? Paint it white. In which Atticus moves his foot across the linoleum floor and you see a tile come up where this diner has been burnt down before. No sooner did we look at his foot, did Letitia come down the hallway to my, y'all motherfuckers better get your ass up now, we ain't safe here. She runs out, hops in the car, pulls off, they jump in, we run it, it got a fire truck after us, we got some white men we saw earlier after, they shooting at these motherfuckers. They gave Letitia so much shit about a girl not being able to drive that car that she's the motherfucker that is whipping that motherfucking Packard all down the motherfucking street. She giving them all types of Fast and Furious. Atticus reaches in his bag, slides out the window, starts firing his gun off. It is chaos. Chaos. <laughs> of the best kind. I'm here for it. it. This played out differently on the show than it did in the book, but even still, it's not worse. It's probably better because, of course, it's live. And so, George is calling... Letitia girl and she said I am fuck my name is Letitia motherfucking Lewis like ah I, I, I loved it I loved it I loved it so they eventually put distance between them and the truck and then that silver car that's been popping up throughout the whole episode pops up again and uh, gets between Atticus and the races and the racist truck flips the fuck over they stop, they being Atticus, George, and Letty, and a white woman steps out of the silver car with a big-ass red mother of the church hat and a nice little kind of breakfast at Tiffany's black jacket. She looks like, for those of you who haven't seen the trailer or the first episode, if you've seen Dark Phoenix, a trailer, or the movie, she reminds me of the white woman with the blonde hair who was like trying to take Jean's power like she looks like her um a bit more conventionally attractive but she looks like her so we stop off at Letty's brother's house and one thing I didn't like and I have to go reread this scene but he's supposed to be differently able he's supposed to be handicapped like there's something I believe it is something with his arm that's supposed to be like it was pointed out in the book so the fact that this is seems to be I'm not going to say he is because I don't know what they have in store for him. But the fact that he seems to be an able-bodied black man, like regular, uh, regular in the sense that he's just an average just somebody we could see in any other show, that kind of bothered me. I'm going to give the show a bit of leeway because I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he has a different type of condition or maybe he nothing happens at all. But I was like, oh, I feel like her brother was supposed to... And I have to go back and read. So that's my bad for not reading through that. But he gives them information about Denver County, about the sheriff, about how he can't get any information about the witch hunters who founded that city and that county. And when we move along a bit further, the conversation that I thought was excluded completely from the beginning of the book was actually placed here at this 
juncture in the story where Letty and her brother are going at it. I mean, they're arguing like cats and dogs. Like, they have convinced me that they are siblings. And uh, so that gives Uncle George and Atticus an excuse to get out of the house and be together. And they have that same conversation. Very touching conversation. And it's pretty much like, you know, your dad is a bit of an asshole, but he loves you. And it almost gave that Will Smith Fresh Prince, uh, why he don't love me, man, it almost, it almost got there, but George was like, hey, man, when you was gone, he would come to my house, he'd stay for hours, and he wouldn't bring up your name, but he wouldn't leave until I did, and so he could be there to 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, 1, 2 in the morning, and he would stay until I gave him information about you, so yeah, he's stubborn, yeah, y'all had y'all shit, but that's my brother, and he fucking loved you, and it's... in. <sighs> Even if we are not going to believe that, like, there has to be some love somewhere that Atticus would come up from Florida, come back home to Chicago, and then decide you're going to go search and hunt for your dad. Like, y'all can't have fallen out that bad if you're doing all of this. Um, I, I, I liked it, seeing this touching moment between these two black men and having a relationship explored that is I want to say unique but it's different from what we would ordinarily see um, I think having George be the uncle and not the father where you have this odd relationship with your dad but you have a more quote unquote loving father figure in your uncle and being able to have both of those exist together though they're separate at the moment because we have not been introduced to the father Montrose just yet but they're establishing well enough what type of hard ass he is what types of person he is what types of person what type of person he is and how that is in direct opposition to the type of person that Uncle George is so now we're heading to Devon County the next day because we got to get to this Artem to figure out what the fuck going on with Montrose well we're in this little red car Uncle George is pissed. He cussing and yelling and shit. And they pull over. Now while they do that, Atticus and Letitia kind of walk across the street. We're in the woods at this point. They walk across the street and they are talking. And they hear a noise. And he, Atticus mentions some character from um, a Lovecraft book. It's like the vampire thing with all the eyes. I don't know what it's called. If you know... Let me know. Use that hashtag Lovecraft Aftermath. So they talking. And may I say these two. Atticus and Letitia. These motherfuckers is fine as hell. These are some beautiful ass people. So they talking. And while they're making jokes. And you know getting there. Blowing off some steam. Here comes the sheriff. In a police car. And he gives them hell. He gives them hell. He gives them hell. And once he finally lets them leave, because he explains that this is a sundown town. A sun motherfucking down. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He explains that this is a sundown county. A sundown county. So, really quickly for those of you who are not in the know, let me explain to you what a sundown town is. These are also known as sunset or gray towns. These are all white neighborhoods or counties that practice a form of racial segregation. 
they do this in by in by <laughs> they do this by excluding non-whites via a combination of discriminatory local laws intimidation and violence now this is something that me as a black man i've known about my entire life um those of you who've been listening for a while which should, there's no secret i am from the midwest i'm from michigan and even in michigan we've had our share of sundown towns counties and areas you do not venture into once the sun goes down and barely when the sun is up now there are entire sundown counties as the sheriff said in this first episode of lovecraft country there are entire counties that are dedicated or that are complete sundown counties now here it says that the term came from the sign posted that colored people had to leave by sundown which is a billboard that we saw once these guys um entered into devon county i'm sorry entered into the um doing like four things at once forgive me once they uh showed up into the into this town excuse me now the practice was not restricted to southern states which again i'm from michigan so of course it was not restricted to southern states and at least into the let's say early 1960s northern states could be nearly as inhospitable to black travelers as alabama or georgia now certain discriminatory policies and actions distinguish sundown towns from towns that have no black residences for demographic reasons so towns that have been confirmed as sundown towns using newspaper articles country county history excuse me and works progress administration files corroborated with the tax or the u.s census records showing the absence of black people or a sharp drop in the black population between those two censuses so there are certain towns where it just made no sense for a black person to be there because that's just not where they were and then there are others where things were sundown towns like you best not stop here we best not catch you here when the sun go down the sheriff lets them know hey you got seven minutes you're driving the wrong way need to get the fuck up out of here and he says something to Atticus when everyone gets in the car which is like yeah you got seven minutes blah blah whatever uh and so Atticus predicting what an issue could be because if if this if this sheriff stops them if he pulls them over if he does not allow for them to leave he locks them up he's already mentioned he would lynch them so Atticus said well sir is this a um safe road to hit a u-turn so that we can go back north to get out of your town and the sheriff says oh you a smart one you i think he says you're a smart negro or smart nigga something like that and he says yeah um i'll let you do a u-turn just this once if you ask me nicely if you say please sir let this uh smart nigger make a u-turn atticus calling back to the scene in which he was about to beat that boy's ass at the gas station for making those monkey impressions Atticus sucks it up and he repeats after the um, the sheriff and he pulls off. While he's doing this, they are racing, racing under the speed limit, but racing the sun to get out of this this town. It's mentioned that if they can get to these train tracks, just get to these train tracks, they will be okay. 
a lot of frustration, a lot of tension, a lot of in high intensity, anxious, a lot in this <coughs> regular just ride back to the train tracks. So they get away, breathe a sigh of relief. Thank God they made it to the train tracks, only to go down a hill slightly and run into two other officers. This is a roadblock. We are fucked. These white folks have got us now. These white men, these thugs, these police officers then take our three heroes, walk them into the woods with rifles and with flashlights in their hand with every intention on lynching and killing these black people. They throw them down on the ground and they get to talking shit. And some of that talking shit is by Atticus. Now, he doesn't talk shit. They're talking about their being the um, police officers. Well, there's been a string of robberies and blah, 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 whatever. And Atticus says to him something along the lines of, it wasn't us. This is a misunderstanding. My uncle's right. This what this isn't us. Um, you're, you, can, you can even check our car. Something like that. And this sheriff says, oh, this nigger is giving me permission to check his car. And no sooner did he get ready to do some damage did we hear a noise. And something comes out and bites the fuck out of this man's arm. So there is it's now this is when the action picks up again. So here I want you guys to leave me a comment. Let me know how the fuck you felt when we got that first jump scare and that motherfucking monster came out, ripped that motherfucker's arm off, and that bitch fell right next to Uncle George's head. And then Letitia <laughs> and Atticus little asses, they hop the fuck up and they take off running. Which again I like this show because this was mentioned in the scene where they, right before they got pulled over by the sheriff, they said something. Letitia was like, yeah, if them monsters is real, you know, we got to get out of here. Something being playful. And Atticus is like, yeah, we can get away. And one of them said, well, Uncle George came. And they laughed at it. And that's exactly what happened. And these two young motherfuckers hopped their ass up and they ran the fuck out of there. George was left with a flashlight by his head, shining bright on his own, on his stomach, on the ground. While these monsters is eating motherfuckers and they running away. This, they, they did a good job. So, um, Atticus and Letitia find a, like, cabin. They run in. They're soaked in blood. This is, <laughs> oh, my God, the imagery. So, uh, before this attack, Letitia is wearing some uh, red, skin-tight, not skin-tight, red, um, tight-fit, I guess these are capris? I don't know. And a white, sleeveless shirt that tied up. Kind of like some Gilligan's Island shit. Atticus has on a white t-shirt and some dark, maybe brownish khaki pants. By the time we see them again, these motherfuckers is covered in blood. They are soaked in blood. So they run into the cabin. They push some um, some furniture against the door. And then the sheriff, who has a whole chunk of his arm and shoulder ripped off, him and his other officer walk in with their guns and demand to be let in so Atticus of course lets them in the other homeboy who got the arm ripped off I think he got eaten and then Uncle George finally shows up they let him in and this is when shit kind of takes a turn for the worse so they're trying to figure out how the fuck do we get out of here we realize it is is this where we realize it's the light um yeah, I think this is where we realize it's the light. And so they're like, well, if we could get a car here, the car's 
headlights will be bright enough because these flashlights ain't going to do it. Atticus is like, okay, I'll do it. I'll go. Sheriff, get that shotgun. He's like, no, nah, nigga, you ain't going nowhere. Send her. If you leave, you might, you ain't going to never come back. And that's why I was like, okay, is this the difference between white and black people? Or is this, what? like, what is this? Because let me tell you something. If me and my sister and my uncle is trapped in some fucking cabin with some racist police trying to kill us and there's also monsters out there, if me getting to the car to turn on the high beams is going to save my family, Bitch, I'm going to get this car and I'm coming back to save my motherfucking family. What the fuck? Like, why would he? He was like, guy, you might leave and never come back and leave his family with you crazy motherfuckers. Are you serious? So, I don't know. I think that's, I don't know. But I will say this. Letitia. No, no, no. This is a, this is a quote. Let me see if I can remember correctly. She was scared. Atticus puts his hand on the side of her head. He's like, look, fear ain't going to save us. You are. Or you will. Something like that. Y'all, y'all get it. This motherfucker took the fuck off running. Journey Smollett, I don't know if she ran track in high school, college, middle school. I don't know if she's just active, but this motherfucker, she... I'm already stressed because I'm like, this is high energy. This shit didn't happen in the book. I don't think she ain't about to die, but I know, you know, some shit might happen. It might bite her leg off or something. I don't know what the fuck gonna happen. She running while she's turning on the high beams, kind of battling this whole vampire monster type thing and when i say vampire for those of you who have not seen the show the series understand it's not vampire in the traditional sense that we're used to like twilight vampire in brooklyn and all that this is something that's more of like like uh those of you who've seen kim possible like a naked mole rat that's deformed with tons of eyes all down its back um i think it's called a shumagorth or some shit i don't know but while she's cutting on the lights coming back to save her folks, we cut back to the cabin and the sheriff is acting crazy. So then Uncle George says, uh, what happens to somebody when they bit by a vampire? No sooner he said that, that motherfucking sheriff transforms. They're yelling at the other uh, motherfucking copy, like, shoot his ass. He's scared. He's like, shoot that motherfucker. He gonna get us. It is intense. Letitia busts in. Car go through the fucking uh, the front door. These motherfuckers pulling out flares, lighting them up. Got the high beams on. They're surrounded. This whole fucking cabin is surrounded by these monsters. It is fucking stress. Now, this is the point where it's like, I kind of wish I never read the book. Because, man, though I don't know what's going to happen, I know eventually what will happen. But even in this moment, I'm stressed because I'm like, okay, what the fuck? How are they going to get out of this shit? I know they're going to, but how? So, there's a whistling sound. And then these monsters just, oh, they run away. They, just, they disperse. We don't know who's whistling. We know the sun is up. Uncle George, Atticus, and Letty are walking. They look like shit. They're covered in blood. They're dirty. They're walking to Denver County where they're, excuse me, Devon County where they were going initially. They look like shit. I, it's important to know that they look like shit. So, they come upon this space that they were looking for this big ass lush green field and this humongous mansion and they stand there it is the images that you've seen way before they started releasing trailers of them the three of them covered in blood they knock on the door the door opens and there is a conventionally attractive blonde haired blue eyed white man dressed very well in all black with a red pocket square and he says Hi, we've been expecting you. Welcome home.
nigga. <laughs> Yo, well, he didn't say nigga. That's me saying that. Bruh, so I'm fucked up because when this man answered the door, he looks nothing like the guy that answered the door in the book. So my assumption is this is going to be Caleb Bray White. I don't know if I'm saying that last name correctly, but Caleb. And I think homegirl who had that car of races flip over earlier is his sister. That's what I'm thinking going on. I'm going to leave my predictions kind of alone for this unless I have a guest on and then maybe we can discuss it. But I'll leave that alone only because I've read the book and I don't want to spoil too much. I want to enjoy this um, with you all and I don't want to, I want to spoil nothing. So, but let me know guys, um, what, what was your thoughts after the show went over, after it was over? Like that cliffhanger... It, it may not have meant a lot to y'all. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Let me know. What are your thoughts? Um, I know for me, wasn't expecting that. Though I knew, though I've read the book and I know what's going to happen. What I don't know is how they're separating the season. That's something else that was very um, important to me. Because, <laughs> and I know I sound like in my old school, but like because I've read the whole book, knowing that this series, first season, is 10 episodes, wondering what's going to be the cutoff. And I say that because there are a lot of stories and a lot of things that happen throughout the book that can be probably mix-matched, and a lot of things that could just happen consistently just happen throughout. There is a moment in the book where... I think we're going to linger there for a bit longer than the book did. And it'll still feel like a cohesive story. Like, I feel like, are they breaking this 10 episodes up into different arcs? Like, once we got to Brave Wife Mansion and Homeboy's like, welcome home. There are events that happen immediately after that I think happen over the course of a few pages. So I wonder if we're going to get a couple episodes here or if we're going to move on. Like in episode three, are we just done with it? So that's the things that I'm interested in. So y'all let me know, what were your thoughts on this first episode? Not only of Lovecraft Country, but of Lovecraft Aftermath. Let me know if um, you're going to be following along. Hell, let me know if you want to be a guest. Hell, let me know if you just want to put in a little voice memo with your ideas and thoughts on what was going on in this episode or next episode or whatever or overall. Um, I loved it. Letty is my favorite, my MVP, my everything. In the book, she was phenomenal. Journey is killing it as that character. Atticus is good. I'm enjoying George. I'm enjoying everybody. But Letty has really stood out to me. And it's only the first episode. Um, so let's see. Favorite scene. I think this is important. Let's bring this back. Favorite scene, for me, it has to be Letitia running her ass through the woods Diving into that fucking car and shining them lights on that goddamn vampire. Because her, like, she's this beautiful, slender, conventionally attractive woman put together. And then we see so many facets of her. Like, we meet her. she We know she's into photography, um, into civil rights stuff. We know that she's kind of a, I ain't gonna say a slacker. I'll say that for lack of a better term. Like, she didn't make it to her mom's funeral. She has a very trying relationship with her siblings. Uh, she's a, just, a, we, we get more than just a pretty girl who's there to be the girl of the group. And 
seeing her all put together every single scene, even the scene where she's comfortable and arguing with her brother, she has her hair tied up and she looks comfortable, but she still feels very much put together. To see her covered in blood, not letting this fear and this racism and this now newfound knowledge that monsters do exist, that's not stopping her. She was a woman on a mission and she got shit done. That's what I liked about her in the book. She was not just the woman character. She was not just the girl of the group. She was very resourceful. She was very smart. She didn't take no shit from nobody, not even her own goddamn family. She did what the fuck she wanted. Her desires to be amongst certain people didn't really do shit for me. But that even still, I feel like this show is going to do damn good with her. And if Journey doesn't blow up even more after this, this whole fucking cast, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. So, long story short, that was my favorite scene of her running her ass through them damn woods, covered in blood, making sure that she did what the fuck she needed to do. Um, also, her running through the diner, like, I like that too. So, how about this? My favorite scene is every single scene of Letty running and cussing. That's it. Running and motherfucking cussing. That was it. Um, yeah, she would be my favorite, my MVP, my all that. And those were my favorite scenes. So y'all let me know in the comments, what was your favorite scene this episode? Like, what what did you enjoy? And then, you know, I didn't touch on every single thing. So is there something that maybe I didn't mention that you just absolutely love? That you like, nah, motherfucker, you got to talk about this. Character, um, aesthetic, clothing, cinematography, music, any and all of that. Um, music in mind, there was one song that played that felt very much out of touch with the show. Because every song, the score, all of that felt very much like, okay, this is 1950s, this fits. There was a song that felt like, it was like the kids playing in the water, um, at the broken, um, uh, fire hydrant. And it was like... Back that ass up, bitch, fuck, dude. Which it, I mean, what? They make the lyrics for real, but it it felt like it was a song that just came out last year, and I was like, bro, this feels like very much a 2019-2020 song laid over this nineteen fifties period piece, <laughs> which was weird. But that wasn't enough to pull me out of the episode. I did enjoy it. So let me know in the comments your favorite scene. And your favorite character and why. Or tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use that hashtag LovecraftAftermath or LCCPod if that's shorter. If you want to get more tweets off that way. And um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready for this season. I'm ready for this season. So make sure to hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Let me know. Um, if you want to send a voice memo, if you have any ideas, if it's um, a part of the show that you want me to talk about that I didn't address, or some theories or predictions, send all that to the email or hit me up, uh, like I said, on social media, uh, Instagram and all of the social media, Carefree Black Nerd, Carefree Blurred on Twitter, the most immediate way to get in touch with me. And shit, y'all, I don't know, man. I just let's buckle up and get ready for this bullshit because I am for it. So until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay the fuck out of sundown towns. Stay away from these motherfucking races and make sure that you got a homegirl like Letty by your side because when shit go down, that's the motherfucker you need in your goddamn corner. 
Alright, y'all. So, until next time, I'm going to check you later. And, um, yeah. Alright. Dinner will be served in 15 minutes. Don't mind the others. Just because they don't want you here doesn't mean you're not supposed to be. The secret birthright Pop wrote about is real. Our destinies are not decided by our families. You just have to seize it. I thought the world was one way and I found out it isn't. And it terrifies me. It's getting twisted. I thought I had everything I wanted. Only to discover power. Like I've never known before. It's a rat race to the finish. And it's winner takes all. We gotta face this new world head on. And stick our claim in it. It's our story. This birthright belongs to our family.